We had grown up, both of us, in the same church. Uh, it was the same church for the time we were born until I was about 25 or so. She was about 23, 24. And uh, it was, it was kind of traumatic. I mean, it was everything. Really, probably 85% of our connections were at that church. Uh, the facility, you know, we had grown up. We knew every nook and cranny of the building. You know, we knew where the bathrooms were. We knew every hole in the wall. We, I probably put half of them there. <laughs> some there. You know, I mean, it, it was just, it was home, right? I mean, the, the connections were, were home. We, with the people that were there, that, that was really our circle uh, of, of our circle of connections. And again, about 12 years ago, we, we were in a transition period as we were looking for a new church. And that process for us, uh, it took about six months or so where we were going to different churches. And we went to a lot. Beth and I went to a lot of different churches in that six or so month period of time. We visited about 10 different churches. Uh, I think we went and visited four in Stuttgart, a couple, uh, one in DeWitt, one in Pine Bluff, a couple in Little Rock, maybe one in Hot Springs, one or two in Hot Springs. And, uh, you know, it was, just, it was, it was kind of traumatic for us because, again, we were just, all of our connections were just totally uprooted. They were totally changed. It was, it was, a, it was different. And, and one of the things that is burned in my memory from that process of, of looking for a new church was that feeling of isolation and loneliness that we felt when we would walk through the doors of a new church. It was, it was kind of, it was, it was isolation. It was lonely when you would walk through and you didn't know anybody. You know, I mean, you might know one or two people here in Stuttgart, but um, you really didn't know them well. You didn't have a real close connection to them. You might know the person by their face, or you might know their you name. You knew who they were. You knew who they were, yeah. but you really didn't know that person. Yeah. You really didn't know them intimately. They weren't a confidant in any way. And I just remember the, the feeling of loneliness and isolation that we felt. And I can remember how, uh, you know, you would walk in and you wouldn't, where are the bathrooms? And, uh, you know, how does this place work? What's the procedure? Where's the worship theater or the sanctuary? Most of the churches we were, where's the sanctuary? How do they do this? Where, you know, you just didn't know. Uh, and I can remember also how some of the churches we would walk in, that feeling of loneliness and isolation, it never left, right? And a lot of those we never went back to. Some of the churches that we went to, it, it did. They had really good strategies in place to connect us. And there was one in particular that, honestly, if it hadn't have been for Stuttgart Harvest Church, that's probably where we would have ended up. It was a church in Little Rock. We probably would have ended up going to that specific church because they just had such great strategies in place to connect us and to remove that feelingness of isolation. That feelingness, that's not a word. Feeling <laughs> of isolation. But I'll never forget that feeling of loneliness and that feeling of isolation that we felt during that process. And, um, you know, loneliness and isolation really currently in our culture right now, it's a pressing concern. It, it's a problem overall. And COVID-19 pandemic notwithstanding, I mean, take that out of the equation, Harley. It's a problem anyway. But then you add the COVID-19 situation of the last, what, 12 plus months or going on 12 months, I guess I should say. And it's a serious issue, loneliness and isolation. And it affects all ages. Loneliness and isolation is, is, is experienced by teenagers, it's experienced by people in their 20s, their 30s, their 40s, their 50s, their 60s, so on and so forth. Uh, according to data in the Clinical Psychological Review, which is a uh, scientific or a medical journal, uh, chronic, loneliness, chronic loneliness afflicts between 15 and 30 percent of the general population. 
15 and 30% of the general population identify as chronically lonely, which means, Harley, basically, that over the course of our day, one out of three people that we come into contact with are lonely. Yeah. yeah. One out of three. And I, I mean, I can relate to that uh, periodically. Uh, the government also put out a report, uh, and it states that two in five Americans say that sometimes or always, this is two in five, feel that their social relationships are not meaningful, and one in five say that they are feeling lonely or socially isolated. That's significant. That's a lot of people. And, and listen, most of these are probably pre-COVID surveys. I don't know that, but in recent uh, a national survey in the United States, this is a COVID survey. 20,000 adults were surveyed, and this was a sampling, so they're able to apply this to the general population. So we can say that always feel half of our nation sometimes or always feel like they are left out. Again, that's really just another way to say that I feel alone or isolated. One in four reported that they rarely to never feel as though they are, that the people around them really understand anything about them. According to a man by the name of um, John Cassiapo, who probably never have heard of John Cassiapo, but he was a leader in the study of loneliness. Uh, he passed away in 2018, but he studied and he researched at the University of Chicago. He wrote he really wrote the book on loneliness. He really did. According to John Cassiapo, uh, the rate of loneliness and the rate of isolation in the United States has actually doubled in the last two decades, in the last 20 years. It's doubled. Okay. Uh, also, Cassiapo, he cited a study in his, the most recent book that he did before his death. He cited a study in which uh, researchers did a survey. They posed a survey to both singled and single and married respondents. And they asked the question, how many confidants do you have in your life? So uh, the question confidant basically meaning the number of people that you have in your life that you feel like you can share intimate details with, that you can really connect with and you can share intimate details with. In 1985, when the original survey was done, according to the survey, According to the researchers, uh, the number of confidants that was most often given, the most often response given was three. I have three confidants in my life. 20 years later, according to the survey and according to Cassiapo in the book, 20 years later, that number had dropped from three, three people in my life that I can share intimate details with. It had dropped to zero, zero people in my life that I'm comfortable sharing intimate details with, confidants. Something has changed. Something over the course of the last 20 or 30 years has changed in our culture. Now, it, it would be very easy to be sitting there and to think, okay, yeah, so big deal. So people are a little bit lonely, right? People are a little bit, uh, a little bit down, a little lonely, a little isolated. But loneliness significantly affects health. It significantly affects well-being. Loneliness is, uh, has been linked to depression. It has been linked to anxiety, hostility. It has been li linked to uh, several health problems, and it's been linked to suicide. In a 2010 study, it was found, this was amazing when I read this, it was found that loneliness and isolation was as strong of a predictor of an early death 
as is alcoholism and smoking 15 cigarettes per day. Basically meaning it is as good of a predictor of an early death, loneliness and isolation, as if you're an alcoholic or if you are a habitual smoker. And it is a, it is a better indicator of early death than is both obesity and a sedentary lifestyle. Loneliness and isolation is a significant issue. Studies also show that loneliness uh, predicts not only depression, but also high blood pressure and increased cortisol levels. And cortisol is uh, a hormone that the body releases in uh, response to stress. So yeah. it, fight or flight, basically, it is a significant impact. Loneliness and isolation plays hardly a significant impact on health and well-being. Yeah. And we have such a, a need to belong, not just an emotional need. Obviously, it's also a physical need to belong. We have a need, God-given need, to be connected with other people. And so as we've seen and heard this morning, our bodies, they will fail to thrive if we, are, if we feel like we are isolated. Now, amazingly, this has all been hardwired it's not an accident. It's hardwired into our DNA as a human, and it goes all the way back to the very beginning. This is not something new. So let's just take a peek at that very beginning. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. This is, what, uh, this is what Moses recorded for us here. Then the Lord God said, it is not good. Now, Moses wasn't there for that to happen. God gave him this information. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Not good for him to be alone. God said, I'll make a helper who is just right for him. Now, when God said it's not good for him to be alone, for Adam to be by himself, he wasn't just talking about the way, uh, being alone the way we maybe imagine it in our eye in, in our mind, you know, him just being alone in the garden. Um, that's, it, that's not really how, how it played out. Right. So in, in, in my mind and for years, and, and not only the way that I, I read that verse for years, and I heard this verse taught for years, and I would hear it and I would think about it basically hardly in this order. So kind of this chronology, Adam was by himself. God didn't want Adam to be by himself. So God created um, Eve. Adam was no longer by himself. Everything's good. And, and that pretty much is the end of it. God didn't want Adam to be by himself. God fixed the problem, and now we move on. But I missed the point of Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Now, real quick side note on this. The fact that Adam was by himself, was alone, as, as that, that verse says, it, it didn't surprise God. That wasn't a surprise. He didn't look at that situation and just say, oh, shoot. Forgot something. Ah, <laughs> I knew it. I forgot something. I got everything right. I got the earth and the moon and the sun and the stars. Should have written and, it down. And, and, and I, you know what? I, I, just like this morning, Harley gave me a list. And I was, he was like, you need to do this and do this. And I said, hold it. I need to write this down. I'll forget. God didn't forget that, you know, he missed something. It's, it's not that he forgot that. This was just a next step in the human experience that Adam walked, just like it's the next step in the human experience that I walk and, and that Harley walks. And everyone in this room 
walks. And everyone watching online or listening during the week, it's the next step that we all walk that God actually has a very specific solution for. Adam was alone, according to Genesis chapter 2.18. But the word in Genesis chapter 2.18 that we read as alone, if we translate it from the Hebrew word uh, alone, it actually is translated from the word and, and Please understand, I'm not, this is not my, like, you know, linguistics or anything. I'm, I'm, I'm reading. It's your study. It's my study. It translates from the word baldad, which is spelled B-A-D-A-D, baldad. And it actually means to be separate, isolated. Now, that's different in my mind from just saying alone. So we could read that verse, Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, to say it is not good, God saying, it is not good for the man, Adam, to be separate and isolated. Eve was created so Adam would not be isolated. That's different from simply being alone. And for years, I didn't see that. I didn't understand that. Harley, it's easy to be isolated inside of a group of people. Mm -hmm. I mean, we th you think about it. When, when married people can be isolated. In fact, studies tell us that of the 15, roughly 15 to 30% of the general population that say uh, that they are chronically lonely, 60% of those people are married. Married people can be isolated. People with large families can be isolated. People with lots of friends and lots of social connections can still be very isolated. Uh, in an effort to combat isolation, we go to bars, we go to clubs, we go to social activities, we do all types of things to try to fill in that gap that is isolation. We enter into relationships trying to fight isolation. We join teams. Uh, again, we go to different social activities trying to fight isolation because we're lacking connection. We get on social media because we're feeling isolated. We can be isolated at church. It's very possible to come into a church, it's very possible to be sitting in Stuttgart Harvest Church every Sunday morning at 1030 and be very, very, very isolated. It's very possible to be tuning in, very possible to be tuning in online every Sunday morning at 1030 and be very, very isolated. Simply being in the presence of people, being in a room full of people doesn't take care of the isolation and the loneliness that so many of us feel in the culture today. Yeah. Wow. Can we not relate to that in this climate of, uh, of COVID? And Adam, in this Old Testament historical document, he is isolated. Or we can say he was. See, when God created Eve and Adam, uh, um, Adam was no longer isolated in that moment. Adam had a perfect, this is important to understand, a perfect relationship with God. And yet, he was isolated. Now that tells us something. You can have a growing relationship with God. And there still be something missing in your life, this isolation element. Because God has created us, not only for a relationship with him, but he has created us, created us, designed us for a relationship with each other. So Adam now, with Eve, he was no longer isolated. 
as Cole said, that human experience that God had planned was now intact. God planned for them to have a relationship. He suddenly became included. Adam was perfectly included with God, but God said, wait, there's more. I want you to be included with them, with her at this point. Adam was now accepted. You know, Adam was perfectly accepted by God, but God said, wait, there's more. This human experience, you're going to accept each other. God was, uh, Adam was perfectly welcomed by God, but that wasn't all he had for Adam. And I, I think you could almost say it wasn't enough because God had planned some more. And he was perfectly now welcomed into this human relationship that God had planned. We can go on and on and on. He was perfectly approved of, at this point, by God. But God said, I have more. You're going to feel the approval of Eve in this healthy, balanced, perfect relationship. He was received by God, but he said, I've got more for you. She is also going to receive you into relationship, a friendship, companionship. You will no longer be isolated. Now in 2021, we are more connected and interconnected than we have ever been in the history of the world. But... We have never been as isolated as we are today. And it is into this climate that we all feel of isolation that we find the heart and the purpose, part of the purpose of Stuttgart Harvest Church and now the church in Malvern. And this is where we must emerge and penetrate into this culture. Yeah, so to me, that's the, that's the cool part of this, is how does Stuttgart Harvest Church and the church in Malvern, how do we get to be a part of the response to loneliness and isolation that so much of the culture is experiencing? And, and I, I want to turn, so we, we've been in the Old Covenant, we've been at the beginning of the Old Covenant. I want to jump into the New Covenant, and I just want to look for a minute at the, uh, the experience of the Apostle Paul. So, toward the end of the Apostle Paul's ministry, um, really, maybe the last weeks, months of the Apostle Paul's ministry and his life, he's imprisoned for the second time uh, in Rome. And this imprisonment is, it's pretty rough. Uh, his, his first experience in Rome was probably a little bit less so, a little more of a house arrest, a little bit. He, he would have had a little bit uh, more uh, freedom, a little bit more ability to have some connection. He would have had the ability maybe to teach and to uh, have, again, just to have a little more personal connection and to be able to experience that relationship that as a person and as a human, he needed to thrive. But this second time was different. Paul's second imprisonment in Rome took place around AD 66, AD 67. If you're a history person, then you know that would have been the time period that would have also coincided with the reign of Emperor Nero in Rome, which was significant 
in and of itself because he was the first Roman emperor to persecute Christians. But it's even more significant because it happened right about the time of the great fire in Rome, which Nero blamed on Christians. Maybe he himself actually set the fire. But the persecution of Christians really began to pick up around AD 66-67. This is when Paul finds himself imprisoned in Rome. Things weren't great. Paul's in a bad way. And it's into this climate, it's kind of, and I just, that backdrop is important. Because it's into that element, that backdrop, that moment, that Paul writes, as far as we know, his final letter. The final letter that we have in the New Covenant, for sure. And he writes a letter to a man by the name of Timothy. It's the second letter that he's going to write to Timothy. And as far as we know, it's the final letter that he writes. And in it, we get an opportunity, I believe, to really experience a little bit of personal, of the personal side of the Apostle Paul. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 through 13. So that's where we're going to start reading. So again, McKinley, before you put it up on the screen, Paul is imprisoned. The imprisonment is harsh. He probably understands that his days are numbered. This is the final letter and this is the end of the final letter that we know of that the Apostle Paul will ever write. See the human experience of Paul here. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 9. We don't have to read anything other than verse 9 really. This is what it says. Timothy, please come as soon as you can. Paul wanted Timothy to come. Now, some would look at that and say, well, he wanted him to bring some things for him. He want, and and those, that, that is true. And we're going to read that. Paul wanted Timothy to come. Paul needed connection. Paul wanted to see his friend. Paul wanted to experience connection. Timothy, please come as soon as you can. Verse 10. I can all, you can almost hear Paul in, in this part of the letter. I, and you're reading between the lines a little bit, but you can almost hear it. Timothy, please come as soon as you can. And I'm going to butcher some of these names. Bear with me. Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this life and has gone to Thessalonica. So somebody has abandoned him. He's feeling abandonment. Paul's not only imprisoned, he's not only alone, somebody has just out and out left him. Christians has gone to Galatia, and Titus has gone to, I'm alone, man! <laughs> Come talk to me, I'm, I'm lonely. Verse 11, only Luke is with me. And then he says something interesting, bring Mark with you. Hey, hey, don't just come, Timothy. Bring Mark with you there's when you come. There's history there, too. There, there's we, we a lot of history time. there. We don't have time. There's a lot of history there because they didn't get along at one point. But now he, he wants him to come. Bring Mark with you when you come. He will be helpful to me in my ministry. I sent to Caicus to Ephesus. When you come, and then I like this. It, it, there's some personal stuff here. Bring my coat. Bring the coat I left uh, with, with Carpus at Troas. And then he asked for some personal things. Also, bring my books. And especially... Bring my papers. I'm reading between the lines a little bit, and, and we're going to read between the lines a little bit, but can you see the personal side of Paul here? He's feeling lonely. 
He's a little, he's a lot isolated. He wants to see his friends. He wants to see some connections. He wants to experience, and I think he wants to reminisce. I think he wants to, in these final days that he knows what's coming, he wants some connection. Yeah. Paul, he, he knew what was heading his way. He knew his death was just down the road a bit. And he must have felt lonely. He must have felt isolated from, not just from society, isolated from his church family. He felt a need, a need for connection. More than just having a visitor, he was allowed a few visitors, but more than that, he wanted connection. Paul was sitting in this prison cell. Can you not just imagine? Because I, I know if, if that were us, as we're thinking about this, knowing an eventual execution was coming, the things he had experienced, have reminisced about all these earlier years, the things he had experienced with his church family. Because Paul was part of the church. In fact, Paul was a church starter. He went from city to city starting churches. Paul would have been a part of what is described in Acts chapter 2. Now, when Acts chapter 2 was written, Paul was not a part of that, but that is what he was a part of starting as soon as he began following Jesus. He could have been a part of all these connections from the, uh, the, from the, the early church. Acts chapter 2, here's, here's what it says in verse 46. It says they worshiped together. This is the church now describing not a building, the church, it's the people, the ecclesia. They worship together at the temple each day. That's part of what the church did. They gathered together and they worship. But look what else they did. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. Now the Lord's Supper was not this little thing where you had a little bitty tiny thing of juice and a little crackery thing. That's not what that was. Um, the Lord's Supper was a big deal. It was a feast. And they met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals, this Lord's Supper, they shared those meals with great joy and generosity. There were connections happening, deep connections happening as they shared those meals, as they met in homes, and they were around each other. They ate together in these smaller groups of people inside of their homes. And as they were there, they praised God. It says, verse 47, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. We're, we're looking at deep connections being made. And look what the result of that was. Because they did this, live with each other, but worship together, and then they moved into their homes together, not, not to live with each other, but they went into their homes to have meals together and to relate and connect, to grow together, to talk and discuss. That's what they did around these meals. You know what the result was? Well, Luke tells us, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved, those who were choosing to submit to Jesus and follow his way. The Lord was adding to their fellowship daily those who were being saved. 
And as Paul is sitting now feeling isolated, Paul would have recalled those days. And he would have thought about the churches he started and the relationships he grew inside of those churches. He would have thought about those connections. The times that they spent together in the homes together, eating and worshiping and discussing and growing. He would have thought about all of that. He would have remembered those relationships and those connections and because he had spent years developing them. But now, in the moment that he writes what we just read, Paul was separated from his local church family, and he was mostly alone, but he was very, very isolated. Yeah, and we weren't created to stand alone. We just, we weren't created to stand alone. From Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, all the way through the entire Old Covenant, the New Covenant, and then all the way through the church age, all the way to January 31st, 2021, in the middle of the pandemic. We weren't created to stand alone. Not from just a spiritual perspective, but a physical human experience perspective. We were never created to stand alone. And that's why Stuttgart Harvest Church and the church in Malvern, that's why we have to be committed to creating a culture of commitment. And that was alliteration. Don't know if you caught that. <laughs> a lot of C's there. Didn't even realize that. Wow. Committed to creating a culture of community. Wow. That's really good. I'm going to write that down. A lot of alliteration. Nobody caught that. <laughs> but we have to be committed to creating a culture of commitment or community one more time. Because it is so important because we were not created to stand alone. And one of the ways that Stuttgart Harvest Church and the church in Malvern is committed to doing that is we develop serving teams. We develop serving teams. And those serving teams is where we focus on others instead of ourselves. It's where we try to accomplish our you instead of me or you before me vision because Jesus served me. So I serve you. And we've got so many different options and opportunities on serving teams from our cafe to our first impressions, our, our first response, our name taggers, our, our, our children's ministry, first look 252. We could go on and on, but our serving teams, our serving teams are one of the areas that we have a culture of community and our serving teams are open to anyone to be a part of. If you are brand new to following Jesus, I mean, you've just now begun a journey of following Jesus. That is great. Get connected. Join a serving team. If you've been following Jesus for years and years and years and years, that is great. Get connected. Join a serving team. If you're sitting there, or you're watching right now, and you're really not sure. You're saying, I don't know. I'm not convinced about this following Jesus thing. I don't know if I'm totally on board. I may dip my toe into the water. I'm not there yet. I'm just investigating. Hey, that's great. Okay. Join a serving team. Get connected. You can serve. We just want you to be connected because we want to have a culture of community at Stuttgart Harvest Church and the church in Malvern. That's one of our strategies for doing that. Another strategy that we have here at Stuttgart Harvest Church, and we're going to very soon have at the church in Malvern, we'll have at the church in Malvern, 
is a small group. Our small groups. We're creating a culture of community by constantly talking about and pushing small groups. Are y'all tired of us talking about small groups yet? <laughs> if you're not, then we're not talking about it enough, honestly. <laughs> if you are not tired of us talking about small groups, then we're not talking about it enough. But it's in the small group. It's inside of the small group where joys and sorrows can be shared. It's inside of the small group where deeper connections can be formed. It happens in the small group. If you're a small group leader, if you get to lead a small group, if you're part of that leadership team in, a, in that small group ministry, then you get to be the engine that drives our culture of connection. That's pretty cool. If you're Significant. Sig that's significant. If you are a small group leader, you're the engine driving the culture of connection in the community. If you are a serving team leader, you are the engine that is driving the culture of community. It's a serious, significant job. Help us do that. See, anyone is welcome inside of a small group. Anybody, regardless of where you're at in your journey with Jesus. Just like the serving team, whether you're new to it, You've been doing it for years or you're not even there yet. It's okay. You're welcome. You can be a part of a small group. You won't be singled out. You'll simply be welcome. Small groups are where we give value to one another. It's where we encourage uh, development in one another. And it's simply where we enjoy life together. Everything that we do at Suckgard Harvest Church and everything that we, when our small group ministry takes off at the church in Malvern, everything that we do at the church in Malvern, it is geared toward moving people away from isolation, and moving them toward connection. Do we get it right 100% of the time? No, we don't. But are we committed to ensuring that as best we can, as best we can, that nobody stands alone? You better believe it. God's answer to loneliness and God's answer to isolation, it can be found inside of his church when it's done right. Yeah. We're trying to do that. We're trying to be a part of that. So this morning, we only have two next steps to offer you this morning. And really, frankly, we would love it if you would take both next steps with us today. Both of these steps will begin you or continue you on a journey away from isolation and toward connection. That's our hope. And both of these steps that we're talking about today, they can be taken no matter where you are on this COVID spectrum. If you are fully isolated and you're, you're not leaving the house to go to work, you're, you're not leaving the house to go to school in person, or you're, you're still shut in, you can take these steps we're talking about today. Or if you are leaving the house to go to work, to go shop or go to school, you also can take these steps with us today. Now, here are the next steps. We only have two. The first one is this. You, you, know, you knew it was coming. Join a small group. We want you to join a small group. So let's say you are leaving the house to go to work or you're leaving the house to go to school in person. Here are your options. This is what we're going to ask you to do. I'm going to give you a list of groups, and you can sign up right now, this very moment, on your paper connection card or on your online connection card with your phone or your tablet. If you'll just go to that connection card right now, all you have to do is write in a bit of information on the comment section. Now, make sure that we have your name and, and your phone number. Make sure we have your name and stuff on the other side so that we can 
get the right person into the right group. Here's option number one. We have an in-person group that's going to be meeting on Tuesday nights at 6.30. Now, they're going to be going over a study that's an Andy Stanley study, and it's called Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets. How many of you would like to have fewer regrets? Well, the way to get fewer regrets is to make better decisions on the front end, right? And we're going to learn how to do that on Tuesday nights at 6.30. If you want to be a part of that in-person group, then just put Tuesday in-person 6.30. That should do it. Tuesday, 6.30, in person. All right? And if you put that on there, you have just signed up for that group. Here's the next group. If you want an in-person group, if you're leaving the house to go to work, to go to school, here's the next group. It's on Wednesday nights, and this one is at 6 o'clock on Wednesday nights. And they're going to be going through, beginning a study. They're not going to finish it in this first uh go around, but they're going to begin a study on the book of Revelation. Now, if you have wondered about this mysterious book that is the last book that we have that is part of our new covenant, then this would be a great study for you. It's not video-based. It's discussion-based. It's going to be a good study. That would be Wednesday at six o'clock. They're going to be going through the book of Revelation. All right. Now, let's say you're you're, uh, you're not leaving the house to go to work. You're staying at home. You're not leaving the house really to do any shopping much or to go to school. Here is an option for you. This is our online group, and it's going to be Tuesday night at 6.30 online. So if you'll just put Tuesday online, we're going to get you signed up. If you write that down in the comment section, you have just signed up to be a part of that group. They're going to be going through a study. This is also an Andy Stanley study, uh, and it's called In the Meantime. And so I really don't have a lot of information about this one, but I know this. Andy Stanley is the best teacher alive today. It's going to be a good study. That is Tuesday online. All right, and it's going to be at 6.30. So... If you're a teenager, then all you have to do is put students, student group, and you've signed up for your group. We will get you information about when, how, how that's going to function, but just write student and put it in your comment section, and, um, and we will get you information as we approach the launch of that. So we have three in-person, two in-person groups. We have one online group. We have one student group. Please join a small group today. We need it so badly. We need that in our lives. Now, here's the second step, and we also hope that you will take this step with us too. We're going to ask you to join a serving team. And specifically, I'm going to say a Sunday serving team. And you say, well, I'm online. There's nothing I can do. You can do, even if you're online and you feel somewhat isolated at home. We're going to find a way that you can serve from right where you are at your home. So you can just put down serving and then put online, you know, because I can't, I can't get out of the house right now. I just put serving online. We're going to find a way. All right. And then if you are getting out of your house for those who are here right now, and for those who are able to get out and about, then just put down serving. You may not know where you want to serve yet. Well, our, our job then is to help you find a spot. 
You just say, hey, coach, I'm ready. Put me in somewhere, coach. Put me in. You just write down serving on, on there. Now, our online folks, serving online. Those who can get out and help, just put down serving. You know, I had, I had somebody tell me one time, well, you know, I, I, I would serve on Sundays, you know, and specifically, I think they were talking about the uh, children's ministry because that happens simultaneously as we're in here worshiping and studying and growing. They're in there doing the same thing, worshiping, studying, and growing on their level at their age group. And someone said, well, I, I just don't want to miss what's happening in here. And do you know what they just told me in that one statement? They said, without saying it, they said, listen, my life is about me. It's not about anyone else but me. And you understand what our serving is about. It's about you before me. And that's one of the reasons why it is so important for us to be on a serving team. It is part of the way that we prove that this life is not about me. It's about me helping you. So join a serving team. Just write down serving on your connection card. I hope you wrote down a small group. I hope you wrote down serving. I hope you did. I hope you'll take those steps with us. We only have two steps. That's it. Jump in a small group with us and serve with us. Two ways that we can move from isolation toward connection. And we can do that with Stuttgart Harvest Church. We can do that with the church in Malvern. So, we're getting ready to worship together in song. But before we do, let's talk to our Heavenly Father. Will you join me? Let's pray. God, you inspired the writer of the book of Acts to describe for us what the church looked like. And the church was not a building. It was a people. And they came together to worship. And then, God, you described for us how then they would move into their homes, into smaller groups, where they would share meals together. And they would share their lives together. All the while praising you, God, and enjoying the goodwill of people. And because of that, Father, each day, each day, you added to their fellowship those who were choosing to leave their way, their path, and choose to follow yours. Each day, you added to their number those who were denying themselves, taking up their crosses daily and following you. And may that be the story of our lives as well. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.